Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. Yeah, wrestling has changed my life in so many different ways. It taught me self-accountability. It taught me about ownership and how to directly relate my actions to a given outcome. It taught me how to do an honest self-assessment and evaluation and make changes. It taught me how to deal with disappointment and not let my heart get sick. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back my time i spent wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness welcome to another episode of wrestling changed my life this is your host ryan warner my guest today is BJ Futrell, assistant coach at Navy and two-time All-American for the Fighting Illini. This guy was one of the best to come out of Illinois in the 2000s era. He was a two-time state champ and went an unbelievable 85 matches in high school without being scored on. Just a stud among studs. Had a great time talking with BJ and I hope you do as well. Fan of the week goes to Rodney Williams, who's a big fan of ours on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in, Rodney. We appreciate it. Last but not least, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. That way you get automatic notifications anytime we have a new episode. So if you could subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a beat. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for BJ Futrell. Peace! All right, we're here with BJ Futrell. How you doing this morning, my friend? Good morning, good morning. I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you? Outstanding. So, man, I know you... Since, I mean, I feel like since forever. I mean, I don't know you, but I know the name Bernard Futrell for a long time from the IKWF days and then Illinois high school days. But now you're out at Navy. How did this all come about? Because I know you retired recently and you were at the Penn RTC and you kind of just let us talk us through how we got to this point of coaching at Navy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like a situation to where you interview for your next job every day. And I would just say it kind of just started with, with faithfulness and kind of just growing where I was planted. So in 2018, I was wrestling in Ukraine against uh, Kingish Vili, and I tore my Liz Frank ligament. I was in position to, to win the match against the uh, Olympic champ and uh, took a level change, took a hard shot, and I just felt like I broke my foot. And so I had to get back to the States kind of, in a wheelchair on crutches, go through customs and, and all of that, which was a, a straight debacle. But um, <laughs> it, it opened up the opportunity for me, opportunity for me to be able to um, be able to coach and encourage some, some younger athletes at a um, at Malvern Prep, which is a high school in the in the uh, Philadelphia area. 
and I was coaching at freestyle club and, and just kind of just trying to be as encouraging and as, um, as faithful to that opportunity as I could seeing it as an opportunity to be able to just uh, encourage and, and grow the sport and give back to the sport that's given me so much. And, and just, it's, I, I guess a lot of the parents start to take notice. Kids were being excited to come to practice. Kids were developing, kids were, were winning freestyle matches and, and it, just kind of the buzz just started to started to grow from there. Quite a few kids won freestyle and Greco titles that year, and um, and so then from there, parents started asking me about private lessons. Uh, one of the kids that I ended up doing private lesson with, he was committed to the Naval Academy, and so um, I kind of start to start to develop a, a relationship with Joel um, Sherry, who's the head coach now. And then uh, at the U.S. Open this past year, when um, when I, I ended up tearing my ACL in the first, in the, in the first match um, and sat down talking to my wife, we, we decided that after after so much, this, this being my eighth surgery and it's not leaving me enough time to be able to come back for the Olympic trials in 2016 or for 2020, uh, I decided to retire and then this opportunity opened up. And I can tell you, like, I didn't know much about the academy coming, coming into coming into Annapolis, but wow, what an amazing opportunity. I mean, these kids are, are getting a world-class education. Um, they're able to uh, just, I don't think it's any institution that develops leaders and, and leadership better than, better than the Naval Academy, because it's literally a part of the curriculum. And, uh, and the day that these guys graduate, they're going to be officers in the Navy or second lieutenants in the Marines. So it's, it's an imperative and it's a, it's, an important part of just the physical, mental, and moral mission here. And it's all equal. Like it's, uh, it's really interesting to be, to be at a school to where your sport is not an extracurricular activity. It's literally part of the mission. And, um, really, why do you say that? Class, yeah. Um, because they, they, they value classroom work, military, moral, moral development, character, the character of these young men and wrestling, like all, they're all value equally, and like the preparation um, of the guys that that are graduating, like it's not the same in other places. Like um, the sport prepared, and and the thing that the sport is preparing them to do, and the school is preparing preparing them to do after they graduate, it's it's pretty pretty special. I mean, just the amount of generals and leaders you're around every day. I yeah. mean, not not even that coach wrestling, that coach other classes or. Or whatever. I mean, that is incredible just to be able to work around those people and, and kind of pick their brains day in and day out. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I mean, like the the first thing that stood out to me was just the culture, and culture is what we believe and how we behave, and just the competence, which is the ability to do something well, and the character, which is the mental and moral qualities uh, distinctive to an individual. It's like these are the most mature, most disciplined, most focused athletes that I've. I've ever been around. I've been at big, big ten institutions. I've been Ivy League, and just it's a, it's a character. I mean, like it's a, it's a culture of character, and like even to apply, you need the congressional letter uh, of recommendation. I mean, it's a culture of learning to where these guys are getting uh, an Ivy League caliber degree. Our engineering program is ranked fourth in the nation right now, um, and. Uh, and it's like a quant, like I said about leadership. It's a quantitative leadership component that comes with getting a degree from the, from the U.S. Naval Academy. So, 
um, yeah, it's 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 really something special. Like these guys are are going to graduate here being effective communicators. They're going to be selfless leaders who value diversity. Um, they're going to be mentally resilient and physically fit officers. Um, they're, and then they're going to be role models of, of professionalism in arms. You know, so it's uh it's a really special place. Man, and <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, but I I can only imagine how much fun that must be for you because you're someone who. I've read this multiple times, like impeccable character. And so you kind of fit right into that mold already in terms of you're doing the right thing day in and day out, having enthusiasm. So I, mean, I can't think of a better place for you to start your coaching career in the Naval Academy. And I know you're going to be one of the top coaches in Division One in no time, man. So it, I, I'm just really excited to see that you went there and and continuing on the, you know, the, the Harvey Twister tradition at another school. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really like was a was a was a great match. I couldn't think of a, a better place to be when I was deciding when I decided to retire. I really wasn't sure if I was going to go into coaching or or kind of what I was going to do. But I mean, when this opportunity came came about, I had to I had to jump on it because it was more than just. Um, I mean, coaching is so coaching is so different than competing. Like, just in that contrast, like when I'm competing, I'm thinking about just getting myself ready, kind of. Kind of thing. I'm, I'm I'm focused and zeroed in on the competition. But now uh, I'm a coach. I got a roster of 44 guys that I'm trying to serve, engage, equip, and 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 inspire. And now when it when it's time for competition, it's a dual meet. I feel a responsibility to these guys. So I'm trying to get 10 guys ready instead of just trying to get myself ready. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to uh, like I feel like I feel like all the emotions. Like I feel the highs. I feel the lows. I feel like I'm out there. Um, I'm out there competing. So I remember hearing Sean Burmet saying that coaching was was way harder than wrestling, and uh, and I know exactly what he what he means now. So it's been fun though. It's, it's been great. Man, Sean Burmet, you mentioned that name. Huge fan of that guy. And I know you were at the the Cliff King Cup Cliff King Cup for a n- number of years. I mean, I just think about the amount of coaches you've worked with over the years that are just tremendous. You know, Mark Johnson. Sean Bormet, Jimmy Kennedy. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, I mean, just awesome to see that you're going to be able to give some of that back and start your own coaching legacy here. Yeah, I've really been blessed to be around some some great coaches. And and now um, it's still kind of weird, like, being called coach. Like, uh, so guys, I'll, I'll walk in the locker room and guys will say coach, and I kind of I, – I take a look over my shoulder like, is somebody behind me? <laughs> so it's still, uh, it's still uh, an adjustment to being called coach. But like I said, the, I mean, the Naval Academy is a really a, an amazing uh, place to be. So, uh, so I'm excited and and happy to be here. Happy to be able to help these guys develop not not just on the map, but as men um, and men of character, and and then help be able to help them achieve their their wrestling goals as well. So. Now we're talking about coaches, but man, you were around one of the greatest kids coaches of all time, Coach Quint Harvey <laughs> Twisters. Man, how'd you get involved with that program, man? And talk about that a little bit, because I think the word's starting to get out there now, just how good and how special the Harvey Twisters are. But, man, shed some light on that for us, because we're all very interested in what that program's like. Yeah, Coach Quinn is the the greatest. He's the GOAT. Um, I started wrestling because my dad got me in it, just just as something to do um, that we could do together. I'm the youngest of four. I got three older sisters, so... By the time uh, my mom and dad had me, my, I think my dad was 
was was jumping for joy. Actually, this is a fun. This is a story. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I think, um, I found out my my mom and dad were were like kind of done having kids uh, before they had me, and and so my mom went to the hospital and uh, to to have a procedure done, and they told her she couldn't have it done because she was pregnant, and she was like, "What?" And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so by God's grace, I was able to. <laughs> able to be here right now but uh so yeah but uh and, and like i said by, by god's grace as well my parents have been married for 39 years but my dad got me started in, in the sport early and uh i didn't oh. actually start wrestling um with the twisters i was a south suburban uh tiger for for a year or two which was the kids club of the high school that my dad wrestled at my dad was coaching at his alma mater bloom 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 trail high school and uh he kind of got me in it, got me in it early. And, um, just from looking at the program that he, he kind of saw to where like maybe the kids in the program, like were kind of being coddled a little bit and, uh, like saying like, I got to hang now. I, I'm not going to practice today type thing. So he wanted to take me to a program to, <laughs> to, to really give me a, a chance to, uh, be able to really fulfill my potential. And I can say, like, uh, like my dad believed in me in a stage in my life where my potential is still hidden. And and anybody can believe in you when your potential is evident. But if you have somebody that believes in you when your potential is still is still in seed form, then you should never forget that person. So I'll always be incredibly thankful for for my dad and just the sacrifices that him and my mom made for me to be able to to be where I am today. And then just. Um, so he saw, so he we're at that program. And then when I was about seven or eight, I, uh, I began wrestling with the twisters. And I mean, this was a program who, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about it. Just, just the history, the, the legacy, the really the family that has, uh, that it's grown and developed and the caliber of guys, the NCAA champions, the Olympians, like it's, it's really unprecedented and so your dad was kind of of the old school mindset and said hey this isn't this isn't tough enough here this is a little soft uh (laughs) is that so that was his mindset so he's old school like that man he's he's get it done type of no nonsense guy yeah my dad was a he was a go-getter for sure like he was he was pretty tough um but he was fair and so um in steps in coach Quint, who's like I said, who we're talking about is the one of the guys that probably have to like outside of my dad coaches that had the greatest impact on my career. Like I can't, I can't say enough good things about coach Quint and just how he just was able to help impact and, and be a positive influence on so many young men's lives. Man. Like it's, it's, it's easy to build strong children or it's easier to build strong children than it is to repair a broken man. And, and coach Quint, he was more than just a coach. He was a father figure to people that was, that were fatherless. He was even to those that have fathers, like he was still that, that, uh, that safe, that safe place. Like it, it was a, it was a trust there. It was a deep trust. And it was like, like me and Albert would, me and Albert White, uh, we would go go on fishing trips with him all the time. We would just just talk about life. He taught he taught us way more than about wrestling. It, it was really kind of crazy because we all 
everybody's from Twister, so I'm, I'm talking about me, Mario Morgan, Albert White, Christian Brantley, that were in kind of my my era. Um, but on a, on a on a typical Saturday morning during the wrestling season, if we didn't have practice or maybe a Sunday afternoon, we would be at Coach Quinn's house watching film um, <laughs> at uh, with him and going over going over tapes. And we all had like high school or high school coaches that wrestled in college, but it was just something about that relationship to where uh, where we had a deep deep trust for him. And even now, like uh, you talk about the Joe Williams, T.J. Williams, like. Um, TC Dansley, like all those guys that came through the program, like I was um, just looking at some rosters today. We have over like 13 twisters that are wrestling Division One college wrestling right now. I mean, we got yeah, yeah, Thomas right at, now? at Northwestern. Yeah, over over that. Yeah, we got Yaya Thomas at Northwestern right now. He just made a junior world team. Isaiah Wade at Nebraska. You got Travis for Milton and Kendall Coleman at Purdue. Um, we got two guys at Indiana. We got. Randy Miniweather um, at U.S. Air Force. We got Peter Ogunsaga at West Point. Like, I mean, the list goes on. Kamal Bay um, at the out at the Olympic Training Center. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Like to really sit back and look at it. It is crazy because it's not like the Twisters are doing a lot of recruiting and bringing kids over from across the state. From what I understand, just from talking with Mario and Andre, it's mostly folks who live you know, within a reasonable distance to Harvey, Illinois, which is even more remarkable. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a homegrown program. We weren't take it wasn't a program where we were taking the best kids from, from this place or that place. We were, we were twisters and, uh, and, and we, they did a good job of developing guys and, and helping guys, not just in wrestling, but, but in life. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a family and it came from, a trust from, from the athletes, but also a trust from the parents. And the parents had a, a really big role in just encouraging all the, the athletes that, that came uh, came through there as well. So what do you think it is? Be- because obviously there's a lot of programs out there who have good coaches that had wrestled in college. And even if they didn't wrestle in college, there's good coaches out there. But like, what is it about the Twisters? Is it the amount of times you guys are working out? Is it the technique being shown or just kind of the attitude and discipline when you go in there? Um, this is a funny story. So before, before I became a twister, uh, and, uh, I was with this, this kind of program, this that program for two years or a year and a half or whatever. Um, I was at a, I was at a wrestling tournament and I saw Morgan Morgan. He probably, I don't know if you remember the story or not, but I know he's on a podcast. So, and I know his dad's probably listening, but I was on another kid's program and I had just probably took like, like fourth out of fourth, like out of, out of a four man bracket. And, uh, I was excited just to have a medal. And so I'm in the, I'm in the bleachers and, and the twisters are sitting right next to us. And I see Mario and he's like eating this, this bag of oranges. And I see he got, he's got a gold medal around his neck. And I'm like, Hey man, what's your name? Like, uh, like how'd you do today type thing. And he just, I don't even know if he even looked at me. I don't even know if he, <laughs> he even like acknowledged that I was there. I was like, all right, this kid's weird. And I just kind of <laughs> kind of walked away. But I mean, that was, I mean, I, I, I would start, probably say that was a, a distinct difference that like the Twisters, we came, we came to tournaments for business. Like we didn't, it was no plan around. We weren't the team that was playing in the bleachers or running around crazy in the bullpen. Like we came there to, to compete and, uh, 
and we spoke we only we only talked really to our team like we didn't really speak to other teams and uh like we were like your friends are on your team you don't need to talk to talk to anybody else we're not here to make friends we're here to wrestle type thing so it was it was that type of focus that type of discipline that we not only took the tournaments but that that we had in the practice room every day so dude do you remember that time when it was popular to wear other teams singlets or to trade singlets I never once saw a twister wearing another singlet or trading up the red and white for like a like a Vidim cat singlet. That was unheard of. I don't I I don't even know what you're talking about right now. That's, <laughs> that's foreign language. I, mean, I, I literally have no recollection of, of any of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I mean that was I remember kids walking around like Fargo and and the kids tournaments with just ten, fifteen singlets on their arm trading up and then you know wearing another club's uniform. But I just know that was never the case. At the at the Twister regime back in those days, at least. Yeah, absolutely not. You know, <laughs> that, that be, I mean, talk about history. Like, Ooh. just look on the back of one of those shirts, and you'll see some some Illinois uh, kids wrestling legends uh, on the back of those. But we held on pretty tight to those as well. Dude, I was trying to put together a list of the top five most successful guys to ever come out of Illinois high school. And I'm hard-pressed not to put the top three as Harvey Twisters. I mean, you got Joe Williams, T.J. Williams, Tony Davis. Then you could throw in T.C. Dantzler. It's like, that is all from the same club. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what in the world? Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Crazy. Um, and so then you went to, you know, after the Twisters, you had an unbelievable career. How many IKWF titles did you win? That's the thing too. It kind of bothers me, like with the, <laughs> with the like split of the IKWF IWF type thing. Um, I won two IKWF state titles, and then I won three IWF, or maybe it was the reverse, the reverse. But I won five kids state ti- folks style state titles. Uh, to to sum it up, so um, I think one of the record books only counts. Partial the IKWF, of them. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I won five. And yeah, I, I forgot they did that split. Um, and then, so when you went to high school, you went to Mount Carmel, another super story program in Chicago. And at the end there, you went on this this crazy streak of like eighty five matches of not even being scored on. You know, take us into your mindset, like your junior or senior year, when you were going to practice every day and you were really in the zone. Like, what were you thinking going into practice, and kind of what was your mindset like throughout your day during that during that really focused time for you? Yeah, I would take it back even more. I would say that, like, when you look at somebody's success, we often, like, underestimate the amount of struggle that it took for them to get there. And for me, I came into high school weighing 86 pounds, and I was four foot nothing, a freshman at, at Mount Carmel, which is a big time athletic school, but football school where I got people that's walking down the halls with six foot two and, and 300 pounds, but I'm I'm this 86-pound freshman, so... Um, and I started, I started right away, but, um, I took a lot of hard lessons in that, in that my freshman year. Um, I, I probably, I think I want to say I was 31 and like 14, but I lost a lot of matches, not because I didn't have the skill or I just did. I just literally didn't have the size The the weight class was 103 and guys were cutting the 103. I'm almost 20, 30 pounds underweight, Man. uh, figuratively. So, um, that those were some really, uh, really. That was a really humbling, humbling time for me because, like you said, I came from winning five, five state titles, and now I'm losing to guys that 
I feel like I'm a lot better than. And so I kind of had to try to take, kind of take it on the chin, but not let it, not let it uh, discourage me in, in such a way to where I, I didn't, I, I questioned my abilities or um, questioned my passion uh, for the sports. And my mom and dad and just the people around me did a really good job at that time of, of just keeping me encouraged and, and, and letting me know that, that my time was coming and my time was coming. And so um, by the time I, my sophomore year, I worked my way up to like 94 pounds. So I, I was headed in the right direction. And then my junior year, uh, it, it took until my junior year of high school to be a full, full size, uh, 103 pounder. And, and that year, um, I, I'm just thinking, all right, this is, this is my payback. Uh, my coach at, at the time, my, cause I had two different coaches in high school, uh, Ben Gerries and then uh, Jason Erwinski. And my first two years, uh, you know, Gerries would tell me, you know, bottle it up, bottle it up, bottle up the feeling that I was, that I was feeling at, at the end of those matches where I felt like, you know, if I had a little bit more size, they maybe they, maybe they would have went a little bit different. Um, and then by the time my junior year came, I remember Coach Rewinski, his his words to me pretty much every time before I stepped on the mat, he would tell me, you're the best out there, go act like it. And uh, and that's what I did. Um, so I came into practice with a with an ultra focus to, to really not just go out to win, but to dominate. So, yeah. Man, so you were coming in <clears throat> just ready to go because I kind of forgot about your freshman year. Where you, where you were so undersized because in middle school, I mean, you probably lost a couple times a year, maybe if that, even on like the national circuit. And so going in and losing, you know, 10, 15 times, whatever it was, that had to be super challenging. Yeah, it was, it was, it was humbling for sure. Like it was, it was tough. Like I just, I just, yeah, I was, a, I was a late bloomer. So fast forward to now where I'm, I'm a 112 pound senior. Um, look like looking forward to to wrestling at the next level. I feel like maybe because of my size, like a lot of, a lot of schools kind of overlooked uh, overlooked me. So I really wasn't heavily recruited. Um, what in the college? Yeah, not, I wasn't. Like I think a lot of a lot of teams feared, it's, and maybe rightfully so, maybe not. But I mean, I think they were kind of tentative on the um, question of whether I would be a full size 125 pounder. Uh, with that being the first weight in college, and uh, yeah, so I, I maybe I got um, one phone call from from Cornell, I think, and then but but the whole time University of Illinois was always there. They were always for me that was a dream because um, I'm an Illinois boy, true and true. So to be able to wrestle uh, wrestle and represent my home state to me that was that was always a dream and. I had Twister alumni that had graduated from there, Cassio Perot, who was an All-American and the best man at my wedding. Um, he was a graduate from there. And uh, I and I also had two sisters, two of my older sisters. One had uh, already went through the, the program, and grad, went through the school and graduated. And I had another sister who was, at, who was a year older than me. Um, and she she was at the school while I was there. So that was pretty special and unique to be able to, to, be able to go to school. Uh, with my with my sister even though the campus was so big we never really saw each other unless we designated a time to meet up for lunch or this or that but yeah so I'm, I'm really thankful to you know um, Mark Johnson Carl Perry uh, Coach Heffernan 
for all giving me giving me a chance, giving me that giving me the opportunity um, to to be able to come to Illinois. And funny story too, like <laughs> so um, I go on my visit, my college visit, um, and Illinois was the only visit that I took. So I go I go on my college visit, and I knew just talk about earlier you were asking me about focus my senior year. My my whole focus was to was to go through state tournament and and dominate and just. I didn't want really anything to to kind of distract me from that. So I I practiced. Uh, I read a book called about plan neglect and neglecting anything that's not related to your goals. So I was really hyper focused on on going going in and winning another title in a dominant fashion. And uh, I went on my recruit, recruiting visit to Illinois. Had a great time. I thought it was great, and I wanted like so I wanted to sign early. Um, for whatever college decision I was going to make, one of my visit and everything was great except the offer. Like we really didn't, <laughs> really didn't like the the offer that we got at the time, and so we kind of took it. We we're grateful for the opportunity, um, definitely. But uh, my, me and my parents, we went back home and kind of we're kind of talking about it and kind of weighing our options. Maybe saying that okay, like I wanted to sign early, but maybe we'll maybe we'll hold off um, on the year, but. I want to say maybe maybe a week later, Mark Johnson showed up showed up at our house and and just about in a really gregarious way, like only he could. Like if you know Mark Johnson, he's got a really big really big character, and uh, he just he came in, he sat down and just gave us a big grin, like kind of like a smile, and just said the offer went up. And, uh, <laughs> and from that point, and from that point, uh, I was I was in the line. I, so and Mark Johnson is a guy who comes in your living room it must be just like a special moment because he's not, not not like a persuasive guy it's just like an ultimate people person he knows how to talk to people and makes you feel good whenever you're around him yeah definitely like he was like definitely always wanted to joke with us be the first be the first guy to joke with us and uh he was just really gregarious like talk about character like he he really um he really cared about every single person on the team no matter you were the starter or, or you're a guy who was never going to see the lineup. He, uh, from my perspective, he treated everybody the same, and um, I, like it was, a, it was a, it was a privilege to be able to to be able to wrestle for him. So he's a great guy. And, and one of the things I wanted to ask was really two things before we move on to your college international career. The first is, you know, with your dad being a state champ and being a high school coach, and you know, being really intense, would you say it was more? Like father son or or coach wrestler, you know, growing up for you, and was it hard to to kind of balance those two? That's a really great question. Like, I give so much credit to, credit to my dad, but being a father and being a coach is such an arduous task. Like, it is not easy. It's really tough to balance, and at times it can really be, um, it can be tough because at at, at sometimes. It's times when he has to be a coach, but uh, at the time, I'm I just wanted to be my dad. You know, like I don't want to talk about wrestling. I don't want to uh, like I, I. It's like almost like you kind of rather, and it's like a a more safer zone if you hear it from somebody else. And kind of that's where Coach Crank stepped in a lot because um, he was kind of like that that voice of reason or or that voice that like kind of mediator between sometimes between between my dad and I if things got a little got a little heated I was able to to hear things from him that 
um, it came off a lot, a lot softer than, uh, than hearing it from my dad. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. If, if I was to give any, any parent, um, out there, any, any words of wisdom, I would say, um, find, find a good coach and then just be a parent. And if the, and if, they, if, and if your kid comes to you for questions or, or things like that, always be there to support them, encourage them and, and do that. But, um, more than anything, I think every, every athlete needs to know that, that his parents loves them, that they care for them, that they love that the parent love for the athlete is there no matter the performance. So you never mm-hmm. want to have a relationship where you feel like it's a, it's a performance based relationship where you love me because, because of this or because of that. So even as a coach, um, really, you wouldn't want that relationship, you know, you'd want support yeah. no matter what. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not an easy task. So I, I applaud everybody who, who tries to, to, to do a good job of balancing that. Was he in the rooms back in the day or did like the Harvey Twister rooms or did he kind of do his own thing outside of that and coach you then? No, my my dad, uh, my dad actually, uh, yeah, he was a Harvey Twister coach, so he was in the room every day. Sometimes he would even come to uh, some of the high school practices. And and by profession, my dad was a was a pastor. I mean, and, st- and still is. He's been a pastor for over twenty years. Um, so he couldn't he couldn't come to tournaments with me on Sunday. So oh it wow, was like when I, like, yeah, so when I was young, um, he would me. It would just be me. Like I said, we, I started wrestling just so or he, he started me wrestling just so we could have something to do together um, because I had three older sisters and couldn't uh, nurture them the same, the same way as me. But uh, we, so me and him would go to tournaments on Saturday, just me and him, like apart from the twisters, just father son thing, just, just bonding time. And then he would then send me on Sunday too with the Harvey twisters. So I'm like nine years old wrestling basically two seasons uh two season worth of, worth of matches and then wrestling all 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 summer too so i'm i was wrestling like 11 months out of the year getting a lot of a lot of mat time a lot of matches and uh and i would say wrestling during the summer i probably had some of my biggest biggest jumps biggest growths wrestling uh during the summer because i remember the first year i came to the sisters um like i said i was i was okay i was i was early on but I was in there battling with, with guys and uh, I didn't qualify for, for state the first year I came to sisters. I was eight years old. I lost to a teammate in the regionals and then he ended up losing to Nathan Fitzenreiter. Oh yeah. At the state turn. Yeah. And so, uh, but I, I had, my dad had me wrestling all summer. I was developing, I was jumping levels. I was getting better. And the next year uh, I was, I was, I was beating that kid pretty handily um, who was beating me the year before. And then came state time, I think Nathan had it, had it in his head that he was gonna gonna win a title, but because uh, he he had already beat the Twister guy, he thought. And then I came up out of the ranks out of nowhere and, and beat Nathan in the state finals for my first my first I IWF state title. So man, and didn't he become a Twister at the end there? Yeah, Nathan did. Nathan did. So we were teammates for for a couple of years there. Yeah, that's what I thought. And man, I I hope the listeners can understand. If you're not from Illinois, I know we've talked a lot about the younger days here, but it's just hard to describe the mystique around this program. 
Um, <laughs> it's just, it really is, man. You, you go into a tournament and they're in the all red jumpsuits and they don't talk to nobody. They got the hoods up. It is intimidating. And man, now, now that I'm a little bit older and, and these guys are just normal people, you know, we were always so intimidated by the twisters that I had to spend a good amount of time on that man. And when I look at the rest of your career, what an unbelievable career, one of the best to ever come out of Illinois. There were so many spots I wanted to pick to talk about, but I figured the one we could chat about before I let you go here is at the university games where you got second and wrestled the finals with a completely blown knee and didn't even go to the doctor until you got back to the States, man. That That is a crazy story. So maybe just kind of talk us through that, you know, 2014 university games, where were they and what weight were you at and what was the scene? Yeah, that was that was an interesting year. So this is my first year, like um, out of college, um, on the on the senior level. So I had just, I was having a, a really good kickoff to my international career. Unfortunately, my my senior year of college, I got cut short. I was a senior. I was ranked like number three in the country. Ended up having a neck injury that a spinal injury that ended up um, inhibiting me from being able to compete in the postseason. So that was a really hard blow to be able to, um, to be able to like overcome. Cause your senior year, you know, it's something that you, that everybody looks forward to. I was already a two-time All-American and I was excited to be able to, to really make a run in national title, but whatever, it, it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen for me in that way. So how late into um, the year did that happen? Hurt. That neck injury? Um, it's tough to really pinpoint. Um, it's tough to really pinpoint when exactly that happened, but I know I wrestled in the middle and I got in a big scramble, um, wrestling the guy from Oregon state. And I kind of felt like a little pinch in my neck. And then, um, I, we wrestled, this is a crazy story. So we wrestled a dual meet against Purdue. I want to say it was January 11th. And then the next, the next Saturday, the, the next day we had a lifting workout. I was lifting. And uh, just like toward the end of the workout, I, I was, I like, I felt like I lost the grip in my hand. I tell the trainer, he says, okay, well, well maybe it's something wrong with your neck. So we, I go get an x-ray um, or MRI. And then I practiced all that week. Like the strength in my hand had kind of came back and I was feeling good. I had a really good week of practice and I'm packing my bags on like a Thursday morning to be able to get on the bus to go to, I think we were going to wrestle Nebraska and Minnesota that weekend. And then the trainer calls me and says, BJ, hey, like, um, I got some, some tough news that you're not going to be able to go on the trip with us. Um, you got to stay back and get some more tests. Like, the thing with your neck is pretty pretty serious. And I thought he was joking. I was like, ha-ha, yeah, I'll see you on the bus. And uh, he's like, no, I'm not joking. And, uh, and so that was kind of like a, like, what is going on, like, type thing. And uh, – it kind of took a took a lot of us by surprise, but it turned out that it was I had two herniated discs that were like indenting my spinal cord, and it uh, and so they had to go in and do a disectomy and a fusion, and so I had the surgery four days after the NCAA tournament, and so so where they went in and uh, and so now ever since that point I had a I'm I was from 2013 on I was wrestling with a plate and and six screws in my neck, even even to this day. And even before, the year before that, just I had a, I really struggled with just injuries and surgeries. I had eight surgeries in a in a nine year period throughout my senior senior year. But 
So that was four days after the NCAA tournament. The year before that, my junior junior year, I had a heart procedure done three days um, after the NCAA tournament to where I had this heart condition um, that was causing my heart like to to rapidly beat um, unexpected. Like I, you never could time it. I never would know if it would be a good day or a bad day. Like what? It kind of just what kind of happens sporadically, yeah. And uh, so it it caused me to be really tired, um, a lot more than I should. And um, and so we kind of found out about it like kind of midway through the year. But it was at a point where it's like, all right, we're just gonna gonna kind of wrestle the season season through and then and kind of deal with it after it. Like it it was completely safe, but it was like it was something definitely that that definitely inhibited my performance. I would say so. In 2012, um, I wrestled. The NCAAs, I wrestled the best tournament of my life and the worst tournament of my life because of this condition. Like, so I was, I think I, I went into the tournament ranked number four um, at 133, and so I pinned my way to the to the semifinals. Um, I had three straight pins, and then and then I wrestled Jordan Oliver in the in the semis, and he and he just beat me. He was he was the better guy that day, and then the next day, uh, like my heart start to start to kind of flare up again. And I didn't tell anybody about it just because I didn't – I kind of was, wasn't trying to think about it. And I get up like 8-0 against Chris Dardanes in Minnesota, and another Illinois boy, and uh, and then end up getting like just – but my heart was like beating out of my chest. And uh, I end up get up – start getting up by like 8-0, and then I end up getting like defensively pinned. And then I wrestle um, Devin Carter. Um, who had who I also had beat multiple times that year, and uh, get the first takedown, and but then end up getting getting like kind of almost defensively fought, uh pinned again. So Man. I had three pins. <laughs> yeah, but my heart was going crazy. So that was like uh, like crazy humbling, crazy uh, just kind of story and experience, but. Man, it's funny you say that because I looked that. at the brackets just real quick. I look at the brackets and I I go, BJ Futrell is not someone who does the semi slide, so I knew something had to be going on to to yeah. for, I mean to lose those matches because, man, what what kind of high were you on after you pinned Joe Clone in the quarters? I watched that match; that was unbelievable. Yeah, it was electric. I was excited. Um, I had had some some disappointment, like because of that heart condition. I had had some. Uh, some disappointing uh, performances in the year. I remember I lost to uh, Nick Soto of Tennessee Chattanooga and uh, earlier in the year. And then fast forward, I was going to wrestle in the first round of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> and I think a lot, it was, it was a lot of buzz around that match, but uh, my heart was good. Like that time, this time around, my heart was in a good place. And, uh, and I was, I was feeling really good. So I ended up like, I want to say I like tech pinned them in the, in the second period. So <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember, I remember going back, going back, uh, going back, like in the uh, like staging area, and Coach F was like, "What the heck happened?" Like he was all nervous going into the match. He was like, "I can't believe this kid ever beat you." Type thing. Man. But, uh, but so, yeah, so. And then your senior year must have been one of the biggest obstacles you've probably ever gone through in your life, if not the biggest. Because even though you did have an, have an incredible international career, you know, your senior year of college, mm-hmm. everyone wants to wrestle there. And so you have the surgery a couple of days after the Nationals. 
man, mm-hmm. you're a guy who's extremely positive and enthusiastic and a role model for everyone. But man, you, that had to be had to be a really tough spot. You know, your senior year, you had the surgery after nationals. Were you considering continuing wrestling, or did you never lose that that fire and that drive? I I still always felt like I had my be- I always had my best match ahead of me. I still like I still felt like I didn't I didn't quite reach my potential. I felt like definitely not winning that national title had lit a fire into me to uh, to want to continue wrestling. At the time, I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't know you can make a career um, and and live a life out of, like from wrestling. But I would say that definitely. Um, sparked a sparked a fire and and I was a freestyle wrestler like I was I, I think I was tailor made for for a freestyle because I could um, score in bunches I was very explosive and uh, I, and I kind of took that into my into my senior year or my my like senior wrestling career mm-hmm. and to where like I was I was really excited about freestyle and so to get back to your original question sorry I, I no you're I good man you're good <laughs> um so my first international tournament, I wrestle at the uh, NYAC, and this is like like 11 months after my next surgery, or somewhere somewhere around there, a few months after my my next surgery. Where some doctors told me I would never wrestle again, I end up taking second at um, at the NYC, my first international tournament. So that was that was a huge like that was a, that was an exciting moment, um, huge relief. But I, I was like, wow, it's like I'm back, like, but it's, it's I still have a lot more. So. Um, took third at the Schultz that year, um, beat Coleman Scott. I took third at the U.S. Open, and then I wrestled at the University uh, Worlds and the World Team Trials, and I, and I win it. So now I make this university team that was in Petsch, Hungary at the time. And so in the semifinals, I was wrestling the Russian, and I just level change and, and double and, and, and shoot a double. And just nothing unnormal that I haven't done a thousand times before. And I just felt like a, an explosion, like in my knee. And at the time, I didn't know, but I had tore my ACL, my MCL, and my meniscus, all in one. <laughs> and and, uh, and so I'm like, man, this is uh, like I can't I can't move, but I got to figure out how to wrestle here. I got to finish this. I didn't come all the way over here to to kind of bow out of these uh, of this of this world championship. I trained my entire life for this, so I. Uh, and that was like kind of like towards the end of the first period. I ended up getting in a big scramble with them in the second period, catching them in a cradle and pinning them. And Let's then, go! So baby. now I got to wrestle in the final. Yeah, <laughs> now I got to wrestle in the final uh, against the Mongolian with one, essentially one leg. How bad are you no hobbling around at this point? Are you in trouble? I'm. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had a bad tape job from from some trainer that was there and uh and so now i'm just i'm i'm out here trying to win a world title and the score is completely wrong the entire match like <laughs> uh they didn't they didn't score right and then it comes down to to me getting uh so i'm really should be ahead but on the scoreboard i'm behind i get a takedown to to give me the go ahead and, and win the match but they challenge it review it and only give me a step out and so I'm like, so now I, I lose a national, t- I lose a world title, uh, like on a kind of a real tough, tough, tough call, tough home hometown, uh, hometown call. But, um, and so, so now I I go back to the states, and 
and I, the the day that I flew back, uh, it was the day before one of my best friends, Eric Terraza's wedding. So <laughs> I flew back just in time uh, for the wedding, flew right into uh, where the wedding was. And, uh, and I got torn. A- I know I'm pretty certain I have a, a torn ACL and I'm, I'm, I was one of the uh, groomsmen. So I'm kind of hobbling down the, <laughs> the aisle to, uh, to support my friend as he's getting married, but <laughs> uh, have surgery and uh, go through six months of just intense uh, rehab, physical therapy, and I was working with Mike Barros. And if you don't know who Mike Barros is, just just Google his name. Like he's a a phenom in just uh, like neuroscience, uh, sports science. Like he's helped he's helped over sixty people that have had spinal cord injuries that doctors said would never walk again to be able to walk again. So he's just a phenomenal like guy just all around. But is he a wrestler with him, or just a, a awesome doctor? Um. Uh, he was, I think he wrestled at some point. I know he did some MMA stuff. He was a, he was a strength and conditioning coach at, for football at uh, West Virginia, at Michigan, like when they were in their heyday. And uh, he's worked with a lot of wrestlers, though. He's worked with uh, uh, a, a bunch of wrestlers. Like, I can't, Kerry Colat. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Jones. Like, he, he, he worked with a lot of wrestlers. Um, but, so I'll go through six months of rehab and then, um, it's still not feeling quite, quite right. And so, um, I go back into the doctor and he tells me like my MC, like, so 90, 95%. So I tore my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus, 90, 95% of the time it heals on its, the MCL heals on its own. So they didn't repair it. I went through six months of rehab and then found out I was in that 5% to where it didn't heal. So oh. I had that. Yeah, I had to basically start back all over. So essentially, I missed two seasons because of that. Because at the time, this was they had just introduced 61 kilos as a as a weight, and they hosted those world team trials at Fargo. So it was after the University World. So I didn't even get a chance to to wrestle in the in the world team trials. So because of all the surgeries, all the injuries, all the the bangs up, like I wrestled internationally for seven years, but I literally only got a chance to wrestle in the Olympic trials in 2016 and then the world team trials in 2017. And, uh, and, and then I made the, made the national team that year, but that was, and that was after a crazy, crazy, like, uh, I was having the best year ever. And I remember like, it was a certain point during the season. I was like, man, I feel pretty good. Like, and this is just after like not having, having to come back from a surgery and, over a year for the first time in like over a year. And I'm like, man, do people feel like this all the time? Like I feel pretty good. Like I can, <laughs> I can really make a run here. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, I go to, uh, Cuba and, uh, in the first match I take a shot and me and the guy hit, I was wrestling the guy from Honduras and we hit head to head, just co- a big collision. And I, I drive him out of balance to get the, to get the push out but as i'm driving them out of balance i see like blood dripping onto the mat onto my shoes and i'm like uh-oh and like so we go out of balance we come back and like the look of like just terror that was on the guy that i was wrestling his face like when he looked at me i knew <laughs> it, it must have been bad <laughs> so uh 
So I go through the rest of the tournament with like this gable head wrap. And uh, and the way he wrapped it, like I couldn't, I can barely see. So I can't, one eye is basically closed because it's so close to my, to my eyebrow. And uh, I ended up making it to the finals, winning it, winning, and then uh, in position to win the match and then get ducked to to my blind side on <laughs> with like seven seconds. I was like, ah, that was heartbreaking. So, but I had a really late onset concussion from that. And so I didn't, I didn't train at all for 10 weeks straight leading up into the 2017 world team trials. So I had about, I waited till after the U S open as long as I could wait. And then uh, I had about 20 some odd days to be able to, to put my, to be able to put, get myself ready to go, like put myself, put my best foot forward and, uh, and go out there and, Trying to make a world team, I didn't make a world team, but I made the U.S. national team, so that was that was pretty significant. Just the journey that it took to get there, I was proud of myself for the way I was able to overcome and not be not be deterred. So. Dude, and like the guys you beat, I, I don't know if that was the same where you beat Bajrang or you beat the the Russian. Um, I can never pronounce this guy's name. Otar Sultanov, the t- 2012 Olympic yeah, yeah. champ, who you beat. So was that all this time, or was that different times throughout your career? Um, that was like right about the time the, the when I beat Bajang, that was, um, uh, that was like early on. Yeah. That okay. Was like 2014. That was actually at the NCAAs when they had it in Oklahoma city, um, India broad team and, and we wrestled them and do there. And then, um, when I beat the Russian Olympic champ, that was, uh, in po- the summer Poland, 2016. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I had just committed to to moving out to Pennsylvania and the PRTC, and uh, and be a part of what they were doing, uh, the exciting things that they were doing in the city of Philadelphia. So, so BJ Futra, as we wind this thing down, man, I gotta ask, as we ask every guest, how did wrestling change your life? Or you know, another way to look at it is, you know, what life lessons have you learned from our great sport? Yeah, wrestling has changed my life in so many different ways. It taught me self accountability. It taught me about ownership and how to directly relate my actions to a given outcome. It taught me how to do an honest self-assessment and evaluation and make changes. It taught me how to deal with disappointment and not let my heart get sick. It taught me how to grow as a man and, and help me grow in my faith. It gave me a dream to chase. And, and in the midst of that, it helped me be able to get my education. So I, I was able to get my college and my master's degree completely paid for. I was able to travel the world. It, it gave me, wrestling gave me great influence and a platform to be able to positively impact people's lives for the better. And it taught me about sacrifice. It's a, it's a book that I read by John Edwards, and it's called, it's titled Wild at Heart. And it talks about just the human heart and, the, and how everybody's soul longs for passion, it longs for freedom, and it longs for life. And distinctly, the three desires of a man's heart is a battle to fight an adventure to live and a beauty to rescue. Like every, every little boy grows up like wanting to know that he's powerful. And, and that's like kids, you know, play cowboys or, or whatever when they're, mm-hmm. when they're growing up, but life, life needs a man to be fierce and, and to be fiercely devoted. And then an, an adventure to live like, because an adventure qu- requires something of us. It puts us to the test. Like, Although, like, maybe part of you maybe fear being tested, it's also another part part of a man that yearns to be tested. And then abuse or rescue. Like, it's, it's, few, it's few things 
that can be more inspiring than a beautiful woman. So wrestling helped me be able to find my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Wrestling helped me be able to find my wife. It gave me an adventure to live, a dream to chase, and it gave me a battle to fight and something, something to fight for. Man, that is the most concise and beautiful answer I've ever heard to that question, man. And we've asked a lot of people that. That is powerful stuff. What what were the what was that book called again? Uh the book called the book was called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Man. E L D R E D G E. That is awesome, man. Um I'm gonna have to be listening to that to really take it in because there was a lot in there. So <laughs> it just I mean that you hit you hit it on the head though with with the three points there, I think, I think everyone can relate to that, especially, you know, a lot of the guys who are listening to this. So, man, that's awesome. Well, BJ, I know we talked about it. We got to have you back on at some point, man. You guys got a busy week now coming up, but, you know, just thank you again, sir. It's been an honor. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.